Welcome to Design Confab. I'm Daniel Nelson, writer for Atelier Tally, and each episode I sit down with a lovely person that I've met in the design industry. This time I'm chatting with uh, actually a very old friend. <laughs> well, you're not old personally, she's the same age as me, and obviously we're really young. Costume and wardrobe supervisor Joanna Lynch about the film and TV industry and how creative education is important to commercial roles. Hello, Joe. Hello. <laughs> well, she's sitting very comfy in her house. <laughs> Lounging. <laughs> Lounging, yep, together. But I've known Joe for 20 years. 21 years. 21 years. Yeah. Uh, since university. We went to University of Leeds together. And we met on the first day, actually. Didn't we, we did. You were wearing yeah. a flag as a cape. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It was a Travis Perkins one, weirdly, as well. I even don't know worse. <laughs> it wasn't even a cool flag. It was a Travis Perkins flag. <laughs> I remember you pointing out that I had the Metropolitan Line map on the wall yes. in my room. And I think you were upset that I wasn't a real Londoner. Because yeah, because you Watford. thought you were from London. <laughs> and you're not from London because I grew up in Camden. And now, ironically, I now live I'm in switched. Watford. So I don't know what has happened here. <laughs> But I studied graphic design and you studied... Actually, I can't remember what the course was called. Fashion design. Fashion design. Yeah, fashion. a BA in fashion. So I want to talk to Joe about a few things. One, because I slightly understand your job and then I also don't really understand it. Okay. In sense. I've been occupied by film for at least... 10 of the nearly 20 years years (laughs) that I've been working in film and TV and theatre, what in costume. Yeah. So at the moment, we're in a golden age of film in the UK. We're producing, I think it's something unbelievable, like 50% of box office tickets are films that have been made here in the UK. So it's really a booming industry. Once again. (laughs) Once again, yeah, it's really exciting. And it's not going to end at the rate it's going. It's not because there's something has happened elsewhere. This is just because of the way TV and film is working now. We've had some fantastic tax breaks in the United Kingdom for American production companies, which means that we're a very attractive place to film. And because of that, we now have an entire new generation who've come up and been trained. So we have an unbelievable skill set of, well, all aspects, particularly creative workers, which can support the studios and the production companies you know, on this level. Yeah. And there's new studios being built all the time as well. Yeah, there are. And there's one in Dagenham, I believe. We feel, That's an old carpet factory or something there mad. And Elstree are about to build another studio to go alongside Boreham Wood. I think that's for Sky. And the studios are constantly expanding. Pinewood yeah. has over doubled in size since I began yeah. working in the film and TV industry. That's the main premium at the moment is studio space. If we had more studio space, we would have more stuff filming here, but we are confined by the amount of stages we have. We're at capacity. I had heard that this is, I can't remember where I read this. You didn't tell me, so (laughs) if it's wrong, (laughs) don't blame her. To do with there not being enough studio space, but then there's reality shows and those sorts of things that are popular at the moment because they don't have to have studio space. Yes. And things. But as we build more and more, then they'll start making other productions and things more. Yeah, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I mean, it's great. It's all good news for... Hopefully it keeps going. uh, Yeah. I was saying to another friend recently, I'm like, it's when I look back on the last decade being in 2020 now, actually what's 
one of the massive things that's changed is people are willing to pay for film and TV. And who knew? We d- we're not just relying on advertising with like Netflix and Disney and Apple. Yeah. Or launching subscription. Yes. But, you know, there's there's also an argument, you know, from I know the academies like BAFTA and, mm-hmm. you, know, the, you know, the Academy Awards in America. There is a worry with the strength of Netflix and Sky and yeah. Apple that it's taking away the ever important cinema goers. So it right. is really important to still go and see movies in our else. cinemas because like we've lost pubs almost in the UK, yeah. that will be the next thing that goes will be cinemas mm. because That's people true. are staying at home and watching everything. And that does hurt our industry. Because it's not even, you have to wait for it to come onto Netflix. They're making programs for it. They're making things They're for never Netflix. Be in the cinema. Yeah. So if you just go, yeah, okay, that's a very good point. <laughs> it is. So it's really important to still keep going to the cinema. And what's upset, what's, you know, a little bit annoying is that the production companies, particularly Netflix as well, will, you know, they have short runs on what goes into cinemas because in order to qualify for BAFTAs and Oscars, you have to have been right. shown in a cinema. Okay. So quite often. They just show it. Just they to, just show it, yeah. For the, to tick that box. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a they might have to change that over time because that's something that you could say safely, whereas now actually it's not something you even have to do to reach a large audience. You can yeah. just do it online. But I guess they're also protecting another industry by keeping that. Yes. Mm, I'm sure so, that's going to evolve actually, isn't it? It is going to evolve. So still go to the cinema. It's really important. Get your popcorn and watch it on a big screen. <laughs> yeah. Particularly because... It's nice though as well. It is nice. There's a social aspect of it going to the cinema, yeah. going out and doing something. But also, you know, there are some movies you have to see on a big screen. Yeah, that were made for that They're made. Purpose. You know, could you imagine seeing Star Wars yeah. on your little screen at home? No, you have yeah. to go and see that on a big... For the only time you ever see it is this small yes. <laughs> or your laptop. You lose so much <laughs> of it, you know. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, it's not just the, sc- the screen as well, it's the sound. And there's so much money goes into the sound. Absolutely. That you can't get out of these little speakers. Nope. Yeah. I wanted to know a little bit about what the role of a costume designer is and what the role of a wardrobe supervisor is or what those two departments, the departments? The, well, it's with one department, with a costume department. Okay. So it's one department, but I guess the easiest way to briefly touch on it is that if you think of it that the costume designer is a bit like the director of the movie they're responsible for all the creative elements involved in the movie and the costume or wardrobe supervisor or both quite a lot on big films you have to have two right you have to have a costume and a wardrobe supervisor okay so two roles to manage the size of departments okay is responsible for what a producer would do so they're looking at the money the crew, the overall picture, making sure the time frame, the schedule, making sure it's all getting delivered on time. Yeah. Because, you know, a movie is a huge amount of moving parts and it takes a mammoth amount of organisation to get everybody in the right place at the right time. Yeah. In our case, in the right costume. I guess in the director as well, who I'm going to I was interrupting you there. Yeah. Come hold that thought. The director as well changes things throughout the movie as well when they decide. Absolutely. They Quite often at last minute. Different. At it's which not working, point, they want to do this. Yeah, instead. at which point the costume designer has to jump to whatever it is they have asked, have changed their mind on. Yeah. And that can put a huge amount of pressure on the entire department, but particularly the design department. Right. So the costume designer will have 
anywhere from one, if it's a small movie, to four assistant costume designers working at covering the principal actors, the stunts, sometimes the creatures, sometimes the crowd. Yeah. You know, it really, it can be as small or as big as the movie is. So the department can be anywhere from, on a normal film for the entire costume department, could be anywhere from 10 people to 150 people. Right. <laughs> so it, it varies that much, yeah, just in the costume cool. department. Wow. Are, are you allowed to name some of the things that you've worked on? <laughs> they're all on your IMDb probably. Yeah, they're anyway. all on my IMDb, but <laughs> just certainly for, the, for the last no you are. five years I've been doing all the Star Wars movies. I'm very excited to have been involved in nearly all of them. And uh, Spectre and Skyfall, the last two mm. Bond films, not the most recent one that's about to come out, Yeah, but the last two, yeah, the Sam Mendes ones. Those are the big things that you've done, aren't they? Yeah, so the big things. That's been the last five years, yeah. <laughs> Whilst we're sitting in your house in Watford. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of babies in between, um, but that's what's... Yeah, where I've been for the last five years. Yeah, go and check her out her IMDb page, put it that way. <laughs> so the wardrobe supervisor, you, what's yes. the thing that you've been most involved in? Yes. What's your, what's your job? Tell me like I don't know. So it all starts with the script. So you get given a script right. and you break it down into story days and characters and the plot of each character. So that's where it all starts really, right. is the script. So from that... I mean, you hope that it's one of the first things you're given, but (laughs) quite often these days you're not and you're working blind up until the last, you know, few days before you begin shooting. But you should begin with a script and from that you break it down and you go through each character and you look at their journey, so to speak. Right. So you will look at what they do, how they do it, when they do it, what happens to them. Yeah. And how that closely links and involves what they're wearing. Right. So do they get wet? Do they get shot? Do they fall out of the sky? Do they jump out of a plane? (laughs) Do they swim through a lake? These are all things that regularly happen (laughs) in a movie and require more than just one costume. Yeah. So from that, you will look at how many repeats you need, what you need doing to the costume, how many people you need to look after it. Yeah. And that then involves the money because how much money you need Yeah. because you have to look at crew and how many people you need to be dressing not only those principal actors but the crowd and the extras Yeah. and then not just the people to look after them but then the people behind the scenes that you really don't see which are the makers who are making and sewing the pattern cutters who are drafting the patterns for those makers and then once those costumes have been made they get handed to a whole department of aging and breakdown artists who then maybe make the clothes look brand new, but also maybe make them look like they have been shot or fallen out of the sky. Yeah. Or a homeless person or (laughs) a granny. Created like that, you adjust them afterwards. Ah, absolutely. Say it's like a bond thing and it's like wearing a suit yes and then you're literally jumping out of a building and it's all torn we have a department that do that tear it yeah (laughs) right breakdown department some of it is a director's decision on set and so the key costumers who are looking after that character will make that decision and do it but then that impacts a whole load of things that are really complicated after that (laughs) but most of the time we have a breakdown artist who stands next to issues i guess yeah and the drops of blood because if you're putting drops of blood on one shirt you then need to put them on 40 shirts (laughs) for the stuntman to wear on second unit and the (laughs) picture double to wear on splinter unit. Yeah. And it's really, 
it's big uh, for the continuity purposes are you going around taking like polaroid snaps or are you well back in the day when i started <laughs> we were taking polaroid snaps but things have moved on slightly now daniel we have digital cameras <laughs> right. so we either t- but now most of it's recorded on an ipad and on certainly on the bigger films it then gets stored remotely and taken off to the cloud and you know because we, we aren't allowed to print photos anymore because they're you know, such a security oh, risk. Because then they might get leaks. Yeah, so it's much right. easier to, much safer to keep them on a digital device. Right. So that's Polaroids could go missing. Something. Polaroids, gosh. <laughs> I haven't seen a Polaroid for a long right. time. <laughs> but yes, we used to take a Polaroid photo and then we'd write notes. So you take a photo and you write notes about what's happened to that person or what they're wearing and yeah. the details. This is why people love catching out these continuity errors because they love it. it must be really hard to actually make sure, especially if there's a, at the end of, say, a film, and they call back and they do another scene that they weren't happy with, and you've got to remember exactly. I mean, it shouldn't was. be hard. If you've got a good costume assistant, it's not hard. Right. You have a good costume assistant who's written good notes and taken good pictures. But it could be easy to make that error on a busy set. Yeah, of course it could be. And it does happen. Yeah. And it's happened to me, so I'm definitely not going to mock anyone that it's happened to. And it's that horrible feeling you get in the pit of your stomach when you know you've made a mistake yeah oh it's horrible actually does that sort of thing really anger um people further up the chain if they yeah (laughs) all right we won't get into that though yeah it makes people really angry (laughs) because they can't reshoot it or it's going to cost a huge amount of money to reshoot it yeah and then they quite often say oh we'll fix that in post-production but they never do never get around to that they never spend the money on it so your mistake is immortalized in film yeah forever and ever (laughs) i'm actually really interested in post production things but we're not getting to that today no. i feel like i, I don't do post-production person <laughs> just because it's that's a whole part that must have changed hugely over the last decade or two because the technology has changed so much yeah because but, quite often the post-production period can be years after a movie yeah. is wrapped with visual effects and they're, they're so good now you used to be able to really spot everything because it was sort of really obvious yeah it's amazing but now it looks so realistic it's hard to tell which bit like how did they do that in, did they do that real or not? Anyway, yeah. that's another episode. It's particularly fun <laughs> when you've stood on the set and watched them film it and then you see the world come to life. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's uh, I mean, it's something that most people aren't ever going to see. But um, no. you only see the... Actually, so having worked on all these things, when you actually then get to go and see them in the cinema, in the cinema, in, in, the, the cinema. in an Odeon or a yes. world, <laughs> Or an Everyman or a Curzon <laughs> or a Picture House. Is it really surprising or are you like I remember all of this it's just like watching it back what I've just done no I remember it back it's like it's burned in your right. eyelids but does it look completely different or is it what you imagine not really on the certainly not on the last Star Wars because we created those worlds right. actually very I mean a lot of it is visual effects of course I'm not taking away from the amazing work that they do yeah, yeah. but we made but you know what it's going to yeah, be yeah we right. There was a prop department that made the most wonderful props and the, the scenes were created as okay. as sets. Before you even start. Yeah, oh, and okay. also for Bond as well. Right. Uh, you know, there, there's a huge amount of set pieces built. I don't really consider them. Yes, they are big visual effects movies, but also they're not in a funny way. Right. But you can imagine when you're looking at it exactly what it's going to look like, even though you're in a room that's basically green. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. <laughs> Yes and no, but because we have something called previs, which is a pre-visualization. So the visual effects department have worked on a rough cut of something. Oh, okay. And you'll look at it so you know where your characters stand within that world. 
But um, it's been a while since I stood in a completely green room. Right. <laughs> it's it's pretty normally... rare. Right, okay. Yeah. I did the new Pokemon movie. Okay. And um, there was a lot of green and blue in that, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, so that's the, probably the most visually effect, visual effects heavy film that I've done recently. Oh, yeah. There's like a nice little segue that I've got here because there's so many different roles on a TV set or a film set. Mm-hmm. That are all creative roles. Yes. See where I'm going to go with this. Yes. <laughs> so I can't even think of all the different ones, but can you name a few different type of things like a set designer and like visual? Yeah. Designs? So within the production, I mean, this is just brief. I, I don't know the ins and outs yeah, of every yeah. department, but within production <clears throat> design, which are the people who are responsible for the sets, the overall look of the movie, you'll have set decoration. You could have the greens department, who are the people who do the plants and all right you have the props department who Mm. do all the hand props you could have action vehicles who do the cars right so you have the production design you have hair and makeup that's pretty uh, self-explanatory yeah you then would also have special effects hair and makeup who would do any prosthetics right or you could have in the case of star wars you'd have the creatures department as well okay who make all those wonderful creatures that aren't cgi that are made right uh, which is truly impressive but then you'd have the script supervisor who's creatively manages the script and is in charge of the scripts and all the changes and they do the continuity for the entire movie Oh, right. Within the director, you then have three or four assistants that work below him, managing the flow of people in a scene. Yeah. That's a creative aspect. But yeah, those are the main ones. Set deck, props, costume, hair, makeup. Yeah, there's quite a lot of... Actually, and there's ones I hadn't even considered, which is why I ask, because I don't know. But... You can always tell, because in production meetings, they're the best dressed people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'd be some very upset grips who would hear me say that, but it is it's true. <laughs> the, um, what, what I was thinking was the assistant director yeah. does actually quite a different job to the director. Um, oh, incredibly. But they're not just there to be kind of like the number two. Well, this is my... Well, you have the first assistant director who runs the floor, runs the health and safety of the floor, runs the schedule, makes sure that we're getting shot what we need to shoot for that day. Yeah. And so within the first assistant director, you have a second assistant director who works back at unit base or base camp. Oh, right. Managing the schedule, making sure the actors are all getting ready at the right time to supply the floor with what they need. Okay. And then on the floor, you also have another a floor second assistant director right. who works closely with the first AD. Are they similar, similar-ish <laughs> then to producer roles? Quite often, assistant directors do go on to become producers. Okay. It's quite an evolution of an yeah. assistant director. It tends to be where they go. Organisational kind of... But um, not always, no. Right. Very much part of the crew in that aspect. Yeah. And then you'll have third assistant directors and you'll have an... <laughs> You know, who look after the crowd. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And then you have runners. Yeah. I mean, the film is huge. I would say there's a thousand people. Right. Most of the time. Be working on these. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the credits go on for 20 minutes. They do. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of people involved in these things. One of the reasons I was bringing that up is because I wanted to talk a little bit about, well, something that I've been interested in, which is education. So the complete diversion here, really, but it is related. Yes. Is We talked about it yesterday and we talked about it a bit earlier today, is the education system when we were at school was not hugely supportive of the arts. And then it feels like maybe the last 10 years, there's going to be a lot of teachers who are going to correct me here. That's not been 
part, it's been encouraging people to go into different subjects rather than the arts subjects because you can't get a job as an artist. Whereas that, I now have Well, I disagree with you on okay. that, that you can get a job as an artist. Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But yeah. the, the, uh, that the education system hasn't necessarily supported that. So as I was corrected, thankfully, yesterday about the new Ofsted framework, you can Google this because I don't know enough about it, that is now allowing kids at school to take multiple arts courses if they choose. Yeah, isn't that fantastic? I think it's great. I mean, I wasn't restrained in my uh, school. We were allowed. You had to do your English, science, maths, of course. Yeah. And you had to do humanity and you had to do a language. So that took you to seven GCSEs. But you could then choose art. You could then choose textiles. But I know that I'm very lucky. I went to a very progressive central London liberal school. And I know that a lot of people aren't afforded those same luxuries. Yeah, but they, I mean, they're I now coming it's similar. back. I think I was allowed to do one art, but then I had, I wasn't allowed to do two. Not that it really caused any issues, but what this framework, I suppose, allows is for people to do more. But I guess the issue that I have that we've talked about is not just parents, but everyone generally needs to understand that there are proper jobs that you can get from yeah, doing careers. an art, art yeah. Uh, course. That, yeah, there really are. And I do think that that's, you know, a real problem. I went to speak at a school in Uxbridge, which is very close to um, Pinewood Studios, you know, and that group of children had no idea yeah. that within three miles of where they lived was really one of the biggest film studios in Europe that was producing the biggest films and that, you know, these were real job opportunities. And we do have a real problem at the moment of encouraging, you know, certain groups of people into the film industry. It very disappointingly mm. remains a privileged white yeah, industry, yeah. which I find really depressing. And it's not even people not being given the opportunities. We just don't get the applications. But in the costume department, I don't get any boys. I get one male CV to 100 women. So we we do have a real problem getting people into the industry. And, you know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that my peers and that people who worked in the industry before me will always say that it was – you know, in the 60s and 70s, the film industry it was a real, you know, working class. I'm using my apostrophes here, which obviously you can't <laughs> see, industry that people came into it. Right. And now it just isn't like that. There's yeah. there's a huge amount of privilege and it's quite upsetting to see. Do you think that goes back to education then? Is that the starting point? Absolutely. Right. goes to education and it's not seen as a career and as a job. And it is. We've got a great booming industry yeah. and we have lots of jobs. I and f- come and apply for them. I thought the hair and makeup one that you mentioned was interesting. I had forgotten completely, even though, you, of course, that's a, a job that people Yeah. Do. But if you're interested in hair and makeup, it's I think it's fairly fair to say it's one of those courses at colleges that people think it's like a, a Mickey Mouse type of thing. Not at all. It's not. You can actually go and get a really creative yeah. job. You're not just going to end up on a high street in a Tony and Guy or something. No. Well, you can, by all means. That's not a bad thing to do. But there are more than one avenue for every career. Absolutely. And it's not just the obvious thing that's presented to you. Absolutely. I mean, I was talking about 
the breakdown department, you know, quite often I'll go in there and I'm so envious. They're all mucky and filthy and they've got the music <laughs> blaring and they're having a great time. And it's very rare that you can get a job that's a particularly well-paid job yeah. to paint and create and break down and yeah. distress costume. And it's really fun. Or do screen printing dye the fabric for the costumes right. you know they do all of that it's really stuff. cool yeah like playing like as a child it's like playing i'm not taking away from what they do yeah. but no it's very skilled it's really it is really <laughs> skilled but it's really fun but if that's what uh, and i mean we've always known this about people the way that people's brains works there's the left right side and the right side and people yeah. often are better on one or the other whereas a lot of the education is always forget which way around this is now always pushing you to use the, the academic r- side of your yeah. brain you're dyslexic aren't you i am yeah um then you might struggle with some of those things where it's more hands using your hands kind of jobs or yeah. sporty things they, then those careers actually you can go into without having to really rely upon the fact that you're yeah so it's not holding you back in any way yeah and they're there they're there for the taking yeah i admit that they can be hard to find and difficult to seek out yeah but you can do it i did it yeah I did it by writing a lot of letters, sending right. my CV to a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I came out of university and I didn't know anyone. I went and I got a job in a theatre. Yeah. And then I said, if anyone's got any job in the, de- you know, anything in the daytime, I could work in the day. And someone said, do you want to come and work in this costume hire house? And I did that. Yeah. And then I got a trainee job on a TV show. By Bo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And then it it went from there. Yeah. I met more people. Yeah. You have to put yourself out there. You've got to put yourself out there. Yeah. And it's easy to give up along the way. I think so. If you're doing it for years and you're not really getting where you are, that's that's actually sadly what it is for everyone. Yeah. You have to keep going if you really want to do it. If you really want to do it, you've got to keep going. And it will pay off. Hopefully, because really what we're trying to summarise is that there are really good, well-paid, creative jobs. There are. And a lot of those people have done creative education that they went through. And if there's one takeaway is to explore those if you're at school. And not, not just speaking to people at school, but you might be a parent who is not necessarily sure that you want a child to go into that because you want them to have a maths and a science and you want them to yeah. go into is to explore some of those careers. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. And you had a point on this as well, is there's a friend of mine, Lee, he has the 16 Trust, which he set up. There's lots of these kind of trusts and they go into schools. And the idea is that it's introducing these people who are in really good positions. So a set designer, I know he's mentioned a set designer or a lighting designer who will come into the schools and explain to people what they do as a job to show that... I did this, I have, like, didn't do particularly well at school, but I was great at this, and I've continued with that, and now this is what I do, and, you know, it's a really good... Mm-hmm. So he, he works on that, and you have a similar thing as well that you mentioned. There's one called Arts Emergency right. that um, is a great organisation <clears throat> that is similarly to that, but they, they arrange mentoring. Okay. So they put people with a mentor, right? you know, to see what's, you yeah. know, what's happening in the film and TV industry, and that there are roles there. Yeah. Just trying to get a different group of people... Yeah. To look at the film and TV industry and trying to get some different applicants applying for jobs and for people to realise that there is a career there and it's a good career. Yeah. 
Okay, that's probably a good point. I'm not going to say add anything more to that. <laughs> that's a good point to end on. So thank you very much, Joe, for thank um, you. sitting on the bed with me. You're welcome. <laughs> in your house and having a good chat about this. Is there any places that people can go, any like production companies that people should have a look at or something? There are, if you are interested in getting into the film industry and you want to, you're interested in costume, yeah. then there's the BFI, do yeah. skill set, okay. which is a great training organization. There's BAFTA crew, if you live outside London, okay. to try and find regional talent, which are two great organizations. And there's also production catalogs like Kay's catalog is one uh, and your local library will have it it's a big book it looks like an encyclopedia <laughs> and it's got listed all the people who work in the industry every production company oh, right. and you can just do what I did and go and sit in a library and send out a hundred CVs although you could probably now send emails but I <laughs> yeah. licked a stamp and posted them right that's just showing your age it's just showing my age God, that's <laughs> it's embarrassing but yeah that there's lots of ways in also our union Beck2 they oh, yes. if you're a graduate you can join it's they've got a very low joining fee and that gives you access to something called early bird which tells you every movie that's in pre-production in the UK and you can then send your CVs out to those people you can call them and ask them who their costume designer is right get their name and send their CV okay that's lots of tips there quite active things that's my so tips. Easy top tips yeah that's good I'm glad I asked that last bit then <laughs> all right thank you very much Joe you're welcome <laughs>